funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. We deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do than with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we have a special guest on the show. It is the newest member of the King's Herald. It is Moran Lolani, and I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name beforehand, um, but how are you doing, Moran? Thanks for coming on the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited and a little nervous, um, but my last name is Samura, just Samura. for the record. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, it would be nice if the fan base got to know you a little bit. And I think that's where we wanted to start here, Moran. Um, first of all, what got you into basketball in general in the first place? So my dad is the one that got me into playing um, when I was around four years old. Um, and I just fell in love with it, like pretty much immediately. So I played, um, you know, growing up all through church leagues, um, school leagues, club leagues, all that. And, um, you know, basketball has just been one of the best constants throughout my life. Um, I was really lucky and had just like really great experiences with it, especially um, in high school. I had great teammates and coaches and everything, a lot of whom I still keep in touch with today. Um, and a lot of college friends I have, I met through, you know, I am leagues or just playing pickup basketball. Um, and when I was in college, I started coaching, um, at the middle school that I went to actually. And the girl that I coached with there, she's like my best friend now. <laughs> um, so basketball really has given me all of these great things in my life. Um, obviously not just like the lessons that come with it, but friendships, opportunities and connections. Um, and the most recent and obvious like wonderful one is being part of this King's Herald community now, um, which I'm just so, so grateful for. Yeah. And obviously everybody's glad to have you on board as well. And was it just always the Kings for you when it came to rooting for a team? Did you grow up so, sort of in the area or how did that come about? Yeah. So I was born and raised in SAC. So I'd say I've been a Kings fan my whole life. <laughs> um, and I, but I would say I, my earliest and fondest memories were when I was around like 10 years old and I could really kind of follow and remember things. Um, so that was around like 2002. So that was like prime time Kings. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I've never deviated. I've, I've stuck it out <laughs> this whole time. Um, so yeah, it's always been the Kings for me. Yeah, makes sense. And to to go back real quick, what how would you say what type of player you were? 
Like, are oh, you a, are you a point guard <laughs> or or what's your style of play? I'm curious. Yeah. Um. So I'm only five feet tall. So growing up, I was always the smallest one on the team. Um. So I, when I was younger, I played more point guard. Um, luckily when I got to high school, we had a girl, uh, on our team who ended up getting like a full ride to Oregon and everything. Um, so she was our point guard. So I was kind of glad to pass those responsibilities off to her. And at that point I was pretty much just a shooter. Like I would just stand in the corner and wait till the defense collapsed on her and she would kick it out. <laughs> so that kind of became my specialty towards the end and there. Mm-hmm. Do you think that made you like enjoy those type of players like does it make you have like a fondness for buddies style or anything um oh yeah definitely um I think I yeah buddy healed I mean I love I love watching him shoot um I wish he could just focus on that (laughs) because I think he would look a lot better to to Kings fans and um just in general uh so yeah I definitely I I I am drawn to to shooters. Cause I think that, um, I can kind of identify with that. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And what made you end up, obviously, like you said, been around basketball for a long time and obviously been super involved with it for a while, but what made you get into writing about the team? Um, so that was during quarantine and, you know, I think I was subconsciously trying to find a way to get my basketball fixed. Um, looking back on it now, just because I realized, you know, for the first time in my life, there truly was no basketball happening for me. Um, I'd stopped playing for a few years by then. Um, and there was, you know, no coaching going on because all the the school leagues and club leagues were, were suspended. Um, and then, you know, at that point, there was no NBA even to watch for a while. So Um, I think once the bubble season got announced, I kind of thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, it'd be cool to see if I could cover and do some recaps of the games. Um, And I figured they'd probably only be playing eight games. (laughs) So it would be a good uh, test to see if I could keep up with it. Um, And then so I would share those posts just on Facebook and Twitter to, you know, just my family and friends. Uh, And I really enjoyed the conversations it would start with other Kings fans that I knew. Uh, so that part was really cool to me. So I, I decided to continue once the 2020 season started. Um, and I covered every game up until the all-star break, I think. And then I joined Kings Herald from there. Um, so yeah, it's just, I mean, like I said before, just another great example of how this game has given me so many meaningful friendships and community. Um, yeah. And I just, I couldn't be more grateful for it. I definitely relate to that. I feel like I don't know what to do with myself right now with, mm-hmm. with no basketball going on. I've been playing, <laughs> I've been playing a lot to kind of, yeah, get my fix, I guess. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So trying to, trying to do something basketball related with no games going on right now or anything. Yeah. I turned on some Kings film earlier today to try to watch something and I got frustrated with the defense very quickly. Uh, <laughs> don't blame so. you. Okay. Wait, so what, what kind of player are you then? Um, I was kind of, I guess, a point guard for a little while, but similarly to you was relieved when somebody else was willing to bring the ball up the court and initiate the <laughs> offense every time. Um, so I, I think like I'm definitely aggressive on boards and like to do kind of like a coast to coast sort of thing. Um, oh, nice. I, I would say I'm more of like a slasher is how I would 
describe okay. myself. So nice. Okay. So I can see us starting to build our King's Herald team. Yes. Yes. And apparently I'll stand in the corner, you do the cutting. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Tim will just set screens. Set screens, eat up the boards. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yes. And apparently Kenny uh, from D'Lo and KC, Kenny posted this clip the other day that he was on pros versus Joe's. I guess he was pretty good throughout high school. I don't know if he played in college um, mm -hmm. and he posted this clip of him on pros versus Joe's. I was been saying uh, before COVID that we got to get a Kings media uh, game going on a little pickup game. I think that'd be fun. Oh, so yes. It seems. Oh, like yeah. I can. I can definitely see Kenny being like like actually good. <laughs> Kenny talks about how he has this little court in his backyard and he talks about how he knocks down 80% of his jumpers every day. And I'm not convinced that that doesn't mean he makes four out of five, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to put that to the test. Right. Right. Yeah. And then he's going to, he's going to school me and I'm just going to delete the footage and that's where we're going to leave <laughs> that. So, um, do you have, is there other like notable hobbies for you or other sports teams that you follow or anything like that? Yeah, so I grew up playing all kinds of sports. Um, obviously, basketball was the one I loved the most. Um, but I stopped playing basketball probably a few years out of college just because, you know, <laughs> you kind of stop playing as regularly. And then there's that one game where you just realize, like, oh, man, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> so um, I stopped playing basketball you know, probably about five years ago. Um, so now I, the only sport I do play now is indoor soccer. Oh, okay. I still keep do you up watch, with that. Yeah. Do you watch soccer too? You know, I don't, I've, I've never figured out how to like follow it. Um, mm. just with like channels and leagues and everything. I just, I don't know. I never got into it. Um, uh, I have been to like a Sac Republic game, which was really fun. Um, not yet. I gotta do that. Yeah, it was fun. I, I enjoy watching any sporting event pretty much, you know, like I love going to Giants games. Um, I still want to go to a 49er game. I haven't been yet. Um, and right before COVID, I went to my first Sharks game, which was so fun. I love that. All of, all of my teams, all of my oh, teams. Oh, perfect. perfect. <laughs> yeah, I am uh, definitely with you there and focusing on the Kings. Um, you just wrote a piece during the, the Kings Herald little 30 questions series that's going on right now uh, titled, should the Kings be focusing on acquiring talent or building culture? And I kind of want to dive into first what culture is. Um, and, and to you, just in, in a general sense, and we'll dive into it further, what is culture to you? Mm -hmm. So to start, I realized that I didn't pose that article question in the best way. Uh, because looking at that question, you know, the obvious answer is both. Um, and I guess a better way to pose it would have been to ask, like, which is more important for the Kings right now? Um, so because to me, I, I kind of saw it as culture versus talent. And right now at the point that the Kings are at, which is more important. And so if, if we want to look at culture and defining that, it is kind of this abstract thing, right? It's kind of hard to put into words exactly what it is, but I think for me, culture is built when you kind of have this identity based on the skills that you have, right? So you build this identity and it's, it's where the identity, the skills and the goals all come together to form just like a recognizable force that ultimately wins. Um, 
And I think the most frustrating part about the Kings for the past, you know, decade or so is they, they just haven't had any discernible or recognizable identity or culture about them. Um, you know, for a couple of years now, it, it's even been hard to tell, like, do they even want to win? Cause we're always kind of teetering between tanking and not tanking and, um, and even on a night to night basis, sometimes you just don't really know what you're going to get. Um, so yeah, to me, I think they're lacking in the culture of just having anything. When you think of the Kings, anything positive come to mind, you know, it's not like they aren't relentless or like hard nosed dogs or even like swaggy. They kind of just been flailing for a while now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think like, the way that I would attempt to define it and it's difficult to, as you said, is just like, what is the consistency? And it it seems like that's what you were getting at there. And there's really nothing for the Kings. Right. Um, And I think culture and identity go hand in hand. And um, when I was kind of preparing and trying to think it through, I came up with like the identity is just optimizing the roster that you have. Like I would say that the Jaeger years had an identity of being a high paced offense. Um, You know, you think of, Utah really funneling the identity of their defense is funneling everything into go bear um, and, and things like that. And then when it comes to culture, I mean, like, I don't even know how many cultures I can point at in the league and, and really define like Miami is a really obvious one. You know, they do their, what is it? The body fat percentages that they have requirements mm-hmm. for and crazy physical demands from, um, from the front office and coaching staff. And obviously San Antonio's ball movement and unselfishness, But both of those teams, like it seems like the consistency comes from the front office and the head coach. And, you know, do you think that it's just inherently difficult and like borderline impossible to gain a culture and identity when there's change ups when it comes to management and leadership like that? Oh, yeah, I definitely think that plays into it. Um, Yeah, with the Kings, I feel like you just you never get the sense that every player on the team is bought in on the same mindset or the same goal, you know, or even, and, and alluding to what you're saying, even like all the way to the top through the coaching to the front office, to ownership, it just, it never feels like everybody's on the same page. Um, and to me, I think that's where the Kings are lacking in a, in a, in having a culture, right. Um, like you said, Miami and San Antonio, um, they kind of have those set cultures within them. I think, Also big markets, um, you know, LA, New York, Boston, they kind of have, I think an inherent culture that's kind of built in with their historical success. So even when they may not have very great teams at the moment, I think they still exude an expectation of being good and of being entertaining, you know? Um, And small markets like the Kings, they don't have that behind them yet. So, yeah, I think it is It is difficult when there's not a lot of continuity throughout the whole structure, throughout the whole pyramid, for sure. Yeah. Hearing you talk it through, you know, the Kings might have a culture. It just might not be a good culture. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That's, yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> and hope, hopefully that changes. It seems to be like that's kind of what they're pushing for, you know, with the whole, um, the Davion pick, and that was preached a lot this offseason. Um you know, I, I mean, how quick do you think this sort of thing can turn around? Do you think like a hot stretch at the beginning of the year? And to to me, 
it kind of all revolves around the defensive end of the floor. And maybe that's just because I thought the team was good on offense last year and obviously horrific on defense. So mm-hmm. is, is that the same to you where it's defense is really where you're looking for this culture shift for Sacramento? Yes. I think when you look at just the game in general um, on a large scale, it's, it always starts on the defensive end for me. Um, because to me, if you play hard, good defense, the offense becomes easier. Right. So I, I think that's definitely a, a where it needs to start in terms of which side of the ball for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. And and one of the focuses of your piece is the idea of uh, acquiring Ben Simmons, right? And that and that's mm-hmm. the side of acquiring talent. Um, and the building culture revolves around Tyrese Halliburton and and a bit Davion Mitchell as well. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but do you think that um, there? Do do you think that the players that are here now are just as responsible as the coaching staff or, or how do you kind of divvy that up? Because, you know, these are a lot of the same players that were on the roster last year. So it, how much of it do you feel like falls on the players compared to the coaching staff? Mm, good question. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I think the responsibility is, it should be placed everywhere for sure. Um, but like we were talking about before, I do think it comes down from the top and not to say that NBA players shouldn't, you know, take their job seriously, no matter their circumstance. You know, I, I do believe that, but playing in different cultures, I think makes players play differently. <laughs> so with the Kings and kind of lacking that winning mindset from the top, by the time it gets to the players, it, I, I guess it's just not surprising to me that, that the Kings have been performing the way that they have because, you know, they have been lacking this, I guess, motivation and, and culture to win. You know, I just feel like Sacramento hasn't felt that in their franchise and their organization for, for so long now, it's, it's almost like there isn't an expectation anymore. Right. Um, if we think about, um, you know, like if we look at Milwaukee, they, they were suffering under an, an ownership for so long that set the bar at just making the playoffs. Like that was their ceiling. Um, and it wasn't until they switched ownership along with, you know, obviously the, the development of Giannis that the culture changed and they no longer limited themselves to just the playoffs and they, you know, got over that hump. Um, I also thought about like Nick Nurse in his book, he talked about uh, reminding every worker in their arena that everybody should expect to win. And I think he even like had bracelets made. So everybody had like a reminder, like we all need to expect to win tonight. Um, so, yeah, I, sorry, I don't remember where we started with that question, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it all does come down from the top to me. Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I'm with you there. And so how do you go about acquiring more talent or focusing on like the players you are bringing in fitting that culture? Do you, is it like, you know, you build the culture and, and the players will kind of fit to it on their own, or do you feel like you need to 
get specific players that already fit what you're trying to build? Um, I think I, I definitely think you can still acquire talent. Um, I guess my, my thought with this specific, uh, thought experiment with like Ben Simmons versus Tyrese, my, my focus was more on what we would be losing with Tyrese. Um, because he's obviously somebody who's, who's bought in, right. You can tell he's ready to win. He's ready to help this team win. Um, and I think if we give that up and we, yes, we'll get the amazing talent of Ben Simmons, like no question. He's, he's a high end talent in this league. Um, but I think we need to be realistic and question like what, what kind of Ben Simmons are we going to get? Because he, he's made it pretty clear. I think that, you know, he wants to go to three California teams and I don't know if Sacramento <laughs> was included in that list. So him coming here, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think if Ben Simmons were to be traded to Sacramento, what kind of Ben Simmons would we get? Do you think we'd get the all-star level that we see in Philly? Yeah. I mean, Obviously, I hope so. You know, I mean, I think like mm -hmm. the big appeal is his defense, right? And the Kings mm -hmm. don't have a guy that they can just put on the other team's best player night in and night out. And Simmons fits that with really most guys in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that is like a totally valid concern and, and a question that is difficult to answer because like you said, I mean, I would assume that Sacramento is not one of those three teams, <laughs> even though I know a lot of the fan base heard that and was like, Oh my God, he wants to come to yeah. Sacramento. I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's what he's saying there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's totally a valid concern. And, you know, there's whispers that Tyrese really wanted to go to Sacramento on the night of the draft. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't really know. I, I think that there's also an aspect where I could see Simmons really wanting to prove himself after all the, the ridicule that he got during his time in Philadelphia and, you know, mm -hmm. maybe an easier media market would be beneficial for him when, you know, he said that um, some of his shooting concerns are mental and it seems pretty apparent that that is the case with him. And, you know, I think it's kind of polar opposites, Philadelphia media and Sacramento media. Um, Definitely as long as Simmons did buy in, which it is a notable, if like we're talking about here, I think he would be adored by the fan base. Um, so, I'm, I mean, I think that's kind of the risk that you have to run when it comes to these things, right? Like I've heard over and over again, recently, the Richmond story, the um, Mitch Richmond story, when he got traded here, the Chris Weber story, when he got traded here, neither of the guys wanted to be here, but then they still come and perform. Um, mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I think he's talented enough that he would make a difference on the roster, but I think your point and concern, especially when you're talking about Halliburton being a part of the deal, um, is totally a valid question that I, I'm glad I don't really have to be the decision maker for. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't mean to say that, like, I think he, if he did come here that he's just going to like, you know, not give a shit and just throw in the towel. Or, like, I don't think that's, yeah. But I think the main thing I, I think about is talent talented players in the NBA, I don't think they approach Sacramento with the expectation of winning. And I think that makes a big difference in, in how they approach, you know, the game at that point, because if you're in a system where you're not expecting, you know, you know, we're probably not going to go to the Western conference finals. Like I'm used to, you know, back in the East, then it, it, 
I feel like that has to affect how you perform at some level. Right. So, yeah. Um, that's why I think bringing in Ben Simmons, but losing Tyrese, it's, it just, to me, it isn't as easy as like, well, Ben Simmons is obviously better than Tyrese Halliburton right now. Like, it's just not that simple because I think what Tyrese brings to um, the huge gap of, of trying to build this winning culture that we desperately need is, is so hard to quantify. Like he brings so much of that, you know, to me, he's could, you know, seen as maybe even like the most vocal and visible leader on the team right now. Yeah. I think there were definitely stretches last year where it, it seemed like that Fox seems a little more kind of lead by example. And I know Halberton mentioned that on the Deuce and Mo pod when he was on there as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and, and hopefully Mitchell kind of falls into the Halliburton category as well. Right. Which it seems like that's possibly the case after what we've seen in summer league and, and he's kind of won throughout his whole life, which I think is a little overstated with Mitchell. Like obviously, you know, there's summer league and, and NCAA championship, which is, I, I'm not taking anything away from that, but I think that you can say that most of these guys won throughout their entire life. Like they've been stars mm-hmm. and been really good teams throughout their entire life. So it's just a change up to go to a little bit of a losing team, but Mitchell specifically seems like a guy that's not just going to like accept that. You know, I, I think that totally. it, there's a good chance Mitchell's coming in and thinking, all right, yeah, we're going to turn this around. Yeah, totally. And I, and so that, that leads me to like this question of, I, of the Kings being at this crossroads kind of, of, of talent or culture. And um, I just feel that for so many years now, we've kind of been shuffling the deck, right. Of trying to, trying to find the right amount of talent to kind of decide on and kind of build this core um, so that we can then build, you know, build a culture around that. Um, but I feel like we've just been doing that for so long and this, the core just keeps changing. You know, it's like, first it was going to be Buddy and Bagley and Bogey. And now those bridges are all pretty much burned. Um, so to you, who do you think is, would be considered like the core right now? Yeah, this is interesting. Um, it kind of, Depends how you define core. I feel like Tim and I argue about this a lot, Um, (laughs) but I mean, Fox and Halliburton are obviously a part of it. You know, I think those are the guys that you don't move on from um, outside of outlier situations. And then after, I mean, I I think you do have to be pretty committed to like, I, I, I would say that if you're expanding it further than that, that I would also include um, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes and Davion (laughs) Mitchell. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's where I would leave it at. Like, to me, those are the guys that I feel like could be on this Sacramento roster for a long time. And the rest feels fairly interchangeable. And it's not to say that those quote unquote core guys like aren't available in the right deal. Um, obviously, you know, anybody's on the table if some superstar becomes available sort of thing. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that's Ben Simmons. Um, but yeah, that, that's probably where I would have the core, um, Fox, Halliburton, Mitchell, Barnes, and Holmes. Um, is there anybody that you would leave out of that or include in that? Um, I put Fox, Halliburton, Holmes, and Barnes. Um, And I could definitely throw Mitchell in there too. I just left him off just because I think um, it's too soon to tell if that's, if he'd be a piece that we want to commit to long-term. But no, I definitely am along the same lines as you. So given that, core quote-unquote core 
do you think that it's worth committing to that and and kind of keeping those pieces and saying, okay, finally, this is what we're gonna, this is like our bottom line. This is who we're gonna build around and kind of like stop with the trade rumors and stop with, you know, the shuffling of the deck and just go for it. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I mean, I think like <laughs> when you're talking like Simmons, Siakam or players that are, you know, all-stars that have done it at a high level before. And I know Simmons like just recently struggled in the playoffs really notably, but he's been to the Eastern conference finals a few years in a row now, you know, three-time all-star um, two times all, all defensive for being just 25 years old. Like I think he does fall under the category of if I'm talking like that expanded core that we just mentioned, like I would consider Davion and uh, Barnes in a part of a deal. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think that you can just worry about the players that you have right now. And um, if a big name becomes available, I do think Sacramento needs to be in those conversations, but at the same time um, I would worry about optimizing this group that you have now. And um, you know, a, a lot of it has to do with the personalities of these guys and from everything reported and anything I've seen, all, all of the guys we just mentioned seem to have great personalities, no sort of issues. And I think there's some guys that we haven't mentioned um, in that list that have some question marks that have been to attach to them during their time in Sacramento. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, I think like that core of guys should lead to a good culture for this team. And, and how quick do you think we would realize next season that the culture has changed? You know, like, would it, would it be pretty early on? You feel like, I mean, I think at the beginning of last year, um, at one point I, I put out an episode saying, are the, can the Kings be a top 15 defense this year? And they answered that question really <laughs> quick for me. Um, but how long do you think it'll, it could, would take to establish this culture? How long before we realize like, Hey, this might be different. For me personally, I think it would take a while just because I've seen them do well, you know, for a couple weeks at a time and then just completely nosedive. So I think, you know, I, I wouldn't buy too much into, you know, if they do have like a hot start, I wouldn't be super convinced yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it reminds me of last season, you know, the Kings, they were having like a really good couple of weeks. And um, I had re- I wrote an article about them kind of maybe embracing this identity makeover. And then I think like immediately after that article came out is when they went on one of their nine game losing streets. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> so always how it happens, right? I've learned my lesson. Yeah, you know, I always say like, there are only a few things certain in life. It's death taxes and the Kings making me look like an idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> I I'm trying to learn my lesson on that one. And so, yeah, for me, it would definitely, I, I wouldn't be convinced too quickly for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like you said, last season was really up and down and it's important. Yeah. I forget that there was, I mean, even like the Jaeger year, it felt different and that uh, changed pretty quick the year after that. And even mid season with the Brandon Williams talk that was going on and all of that. Um, so yeah, things change quickly. And I think you have a good point. It would, we'd have to see it for a while, right? Like I think the whole idea of culture is just consistency and, and to prove consistency, you got to do it for a while, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And in, in closing to turn your own question on yourself, are you under, like, are you going through the thought process of, 
uh, what you pitched to me of, you know, not really all too interested in, in constantly chasing after stars and guys thrown in these trade scenarios. And you'd rather just stick with the core that you feel like we have right now and optimizing mm-hmm. that. Oh man. Yeah. So I realized after writing that article and then, you know, kind of having more discussions and reading the comments, I kind of mind fucked myself on that one because there are just so many good arguments on either side. Um, but I think I'm going to stand by my conclusion in the article and say that I, I, at this point for the Kings right now, I would want to build on culture right now, because I think, I think a lot about the Suns actually, um, and how they did it. And I think that's kind of the pathway that the Kings would have to go and that, you know, the Suns, they, theirs was super like expedited, obviously, because they went from, you know, bottom of the conference with us to going into the bubble and having that incredible run. Um, and they kind of put everybody on notice with that, you know, and they made that statement of like, Hey, we're here now and we're ready to win and we're not messing around. Um, and that's like what ultimately got them Chris Paul. Right. And he was kind of the push to get them over that hump and, and they just took off from there. Um, so to me, I feel like the Kings have to do something similar and that they have to build that identity and that culture together and kind of make themselves known to the league. Like, Hey, we're not here to just get kicked around and be made fun of anymore. Like we're serious. And then that's what attracts talent. Right. Um, and even if it does, that talent does come in a trade later on, then, you know, at least that talent that's coming understands like, okay, like this is business here now. It's not just, I'm going to come and, you know, jog around until the season ends. So to me, that's how I kind of see the King's path um, to getting to some success, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, I, I think the the Phoenix path is definitely interesting and probably a little bit of an outlier, like when it comes to mm-hmm. like a Chris Paul being available for that cheap. But I, I think the blueprint is definitely something that the Kings can model after, like you said, just becoming respected by other players in the league um, and, and feeling respectable yourself, you know, when you're going out there every single night. And I think that's something that the Kings roster right now is certainly capable of doing, like putting themselves in situations to win games that I think people probably think they shouldn't be competitive in. And we saw that for some stretches last year. It's just kind of about um, staying consistent and hopefully that, the team just all really believing in that possible outcome because there were definitely moments last year where it's like, man, this is just not maximum effort from some guys that mm-hmm. it seems weird to not having that from them. You know, I, I think like Fox and Barnes are the two that stick out to me where it's like, I can't really blame them for checking out every once in a while with how horrible the te- the product was around them sometimes specifically on the defensive end. But it's also just like, I mean, those are two guys I think, that it's it's so rare for them to check out so um definitely something that needs to turn around there and hopefully that's that's what's going on next year with the kings and that's what been that's what mcnair has been praising hopefully mitchell can help with that a little bit and a little bit more leadership from um from walton and the guys on the floor as well and maybe the consistency of keeping walton around for a while will be a plus (laughs) as well even if i'm uh, pretty skeptical about it but 
we will see. It'll definitely be an interesting season for the Kings next year. And I, I think that um, this focus on culture that we've been talking about is, is definitely one of the main points of focus going into next year. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else, Moran, that you want to touch on before we get out of here? I don't think so. Um, I think, yeah, we pretty much covered it at all. I think the, the one point I do want to emphasize before we go actually is um, that I, I don't think that Ben Simmons like is bad or like is some culture destroyer or anything. Like I think that obviously his situation in Philly like had more to do with the organization and the fans and, and the public there than, than he had a hand in like being like some monster or anything. So I, I, I don't want like any of my opinions to come off as like a slight against Ben Simmons at all. I think for me, I just value Tyrese and what he means to this team more. Yeah, absolutely. makes sense. And I think you're far from alone when it comes to the fan base. Um, I have flown, thrown out the idea of Halliburton for Simmons. And uh, I know people are not fans of that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to out you real quick here, Moran. You were pretty nervous apparently going into this and I thought you did great. And I, anybody oh, listening thank you. needs to let you know about that because I have zero clue why you were nervous after this. <laughs> it did great. Anybody not following Moran, I don't know what you're doing. It's at Moran. Lilani, am I pronouncing that middle name right? I should have asked this. Yes, yes, you got that one perfect. There we go. Um, And yeah, it's at Moran Lilani on Twitter, newest member of the King's Herald. And there is great work going up on the King's Herald all the time from Moran, myself, and all the other great writers there. We're in the middle of our 30 question series right now. So definitely check that out and give a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.